0: Hello, um, yeah, it's it's me, I'm Marcus. As hello, well. yeah, hello. Um, so we just wanted to cut in um, before the beginning of the show just to explain uh, what happened to our our last show, which we definitely did record. Um, was brilliant! It was a great show. Um, unfortunately, due to a uh, a technical error, which we weren't aware of before we started recording the show, the show itself did uh, did not record, and so was consigned to the the dustbin of of, <laughs> <laughs> of history. It still went out live. And it was good, um, but obviously we don't have the uh, the file available to uh, put on the podcast feed. So what we're going to do is just briefly summarise the the films that we reviewed and um, and the scores we gave, just for posterity. Indeed, be- because we do mention Toy Story four in the in the charts on this show, I think we sort of neatly summarise it. Absolutely. So
1: there. as Nick mentioned, we yes we reviewed Toy Story four.
0: Yes, which, and I gave it an eight out of ten. Was uh, very impressed. It's it's as good as as we wanted it to be.
1: And our film to rent review was If All Street Could Talk.
0: Yes, I, I loved it, really. It was the second time I, I saw it and enjoyed it even more than the, than the first. Time. It's, I thought it was a really, really beautiful piece of work, even though it deals with some very uh, hard-hitting themes. But the cast were brilliant, score, direction, everything about it was really, really, really good.
1: I was slightly less enamoured with it.
0: You, you were, so I, I gave it a 9 and then we sort of compromised on it because you were less impressed with uh,
1: yeah, the pace of the film it just
0: it, it is very slow yeah admittedly um, but yeah sometimes I, I enjoy like a, a slow piece of work like that yeah yeah
1: But there you go there we go <laughs> enjoy the show yes this one's really good as well
0: this this one's just as good yeah. oh and that thing with the thing that you
1: did yeah
0: <laughs> brilliant
1: are we going to leave that in can we leave
2: that in
0: oh, we'll see <laughs> let's, let's leave it in and see if anyone notices okay
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sunshine Cinema Show. Please take your seats as the feature presentation is about to begin.
1: Hello, I'm Marcus and welcome to the Sunshine Cinema Show. if you'd like to contact the show, you can do so at any point on Twitter, we are at Sunshine Cinemax. But if this is your first time listening to the show, hi, thanks for joining us. Now, I'll tell you what you can expect on the show very shortly, but first, let me introduce our captive film nerd, Mr Nick Chaffee.
0: You say Captain or Captive?
1: Captive. <laughs> I mean, you could work your way up to Captain.
0: Yes. But I am here under
1: duress. Yeah, <laughs> and a lovely um, duress it is as well.
0: It's bad, isn't lovely.
1: Seats are good. <laughs> now Nick is currently writing a film about a German supermarket that sells aquatic creatures. There's a half female and half fish. It's something he's calling the Little Mermaid. Oh, okay. How's it coming along, Nick? It's going good. Yeah. Yeah. Casting on yet?
0: Um. I'm trying to think of a joke here, but I can't think of anyone who's been in an advert for Lidl. Do Little do <laughs> adverts? I don't, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen one.
1: Yeah, with bargains.
0: Ah, but not, not celebrities.
1: Other <laughs> right. um, supermarkets do bargains too, in case that's a thing I have to say. I don't know if
0: it's all right, it's a fun,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On today's show, we're going to be reviewing Midsommar, uh, a dread-soaked cinematic fairy tale from the mind that brought us the landmark horror hereditary. We're gonna follow that with our film-to-rent review, which is Cold Pursuit, an action-fueled dark comedy starring a revenge-fueled Liam Neeson. We've also got the Take 5 movie quiz in around half an hour with five mystery films for you to try and identify from just their taglines. But before all of that, here's Nick with the latest movie news. Yeah, thanks, Marcus.
0: said so headlines this week. Dexter Fletcher might launch himself from Rocketman to Sherlock Holmes 3, Christoph Waltz returning as Blofeld for Bond 25, and Disney recalls Forky Toy due to Choking Hazard elegantly setting up the plot of Toy Story 5. Four films into his career as a director, Dexter Fletcher is starting to establish himself as a guy who gets stuff done. Need someone to direct the last three weeks of a big budget biopic when your original director goes AWOL ahead of a massive scandal? Fletcher's your guy. Want a steady hand to guide your own life story to the screen while making a tidy sum along the way? Fletcher has your back, Elton John. Want another Sherlock Holmes movie for some reason? Yeah, sure, Fletcher's got you covered. At least, hypothetically, per The Hollywood Reporter, the Bohemian Rhapsody pinch-hitter has just entered talks to direct Sherlock Holmes 3, the recently announced, decade-later follow-up to Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law's Sherlock Holmes' A Game of Shadows. Warner Brothers announced the three core last year, presumably on the grounds that Robert Downey Jr. basically became the biggest movie star on the planet since the last time they made one of these things. So why the heck shouldn't they tap that well? The first two hyperkinetic Holmes movies were, of course, directed by Guy Ritchie, who Fletcher has a strong connection to, having starred Once Upon a Time alongside Billy Jones and Jason Statham in the director's first big breakout hit, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. He also provided a voice for 2015 Sherlock Gnomes, but that one feels less automatically relevant. Sherlock Holmes Three is currently aiming for a December 2021 release date, and both Danny Junior and Law are expected to return.
1: I I don't know about you. I'm a little bit of a fan of of Dexter Fletcher because for me, back in late 80s, early 90s, he was in Press Gang. Yeah, (laughs) I think he. I think he was an American. He played an American. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Very convincing accent at the time. Yeah. I seem to think, or I seem to recall, thinking he was American.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's good. <laughs> also, um, you know, made a big impact in um, the uh, Bugsy Malone. Oh, of course. As well, oh. His baby face with the baseball bat. <laughs> and also, I didn't realise this, he also um, appears in uh, The Long Good Friday as a, a kid who, uh, you know, he's sort of standing on, on Bob Hoskins, Not well, not on his car, he's leaning against Bob Hoskins' car when he comes out and says... Guarded your car, Mister. <laughs> and Bob Hoskins says, "Should have asked for the money up front." <laughs> <laughs> nice,
1: yeah.
0: but um, no, he's yeah, made some good films.
1: Yeah, he seems to be, like you say, getting his his name out there.
0: Yeah, interested to see what this new Sherlock Holmes movie looks like, considering how um, you know, the first two were quite visually distinctive. I think that was one of the best things about them. Really, some the way that the action was presented. I don't think they were great, but yeah, they were fun to watch. I thought. The much rumoured return of Christoph Waltz's Blofeld to the James Bond series appears to have been confirmed after the actor was spotted at a studio where the latest film is being shot. A visitor to Pinewood Studios tipped off the Daily Mail's entertainment reporter Basma Boy to the sighting reporting that Waltz urged him not to spread news of his involvement saying, you haven't seen me. Waltz's name was absent from the cast list unveiled in April when shooting began in Jamaica but had been long suspected that his cat-stroking supervillain confirmed alive after a helicopter crash at the end of 2015's Spectre would reappear in the new film scheduled for release in April 2020. However, it would seem Blofeld takes more of a backseat in Carrie Fukunaga's thriller, with Rami Malek's baddie taking centre stage. The last month for Malek, whose parents are Egyptian, said he would have refused to take the role if his character was involved in any religiously motivated terrorism. And the plot of the film is said to follow an arc first presented in Daniel Craig's debut as 007, Casino Royale, and to uh, said to involve genetic engineering. Mm. Mm.
1: Christoph Waltz, are you a fan of his evilness
0: uh, i'm a fan of as of him as a performer i gotta say though it, i think the, the character of Blofeld Inspector was one of the silliest decisions i've seen in a in a big budget film for a, a long long time i'm, I'm going to get into spoiler territory so if anyone's not seen specter then you know maybe tune out for a minute or so the the, the whole idea that he is um james bond's long-lost half-brother and he set up all of the villains of the three previous films just because he was J- James Bond was mean to him as a, a killer. Something is one of the s- stupidest writing decisions I've, as I said, I've seen in a, in a long, long time, and I can't believe that they actually went ahead and and did that.
1: Hang on a minute! Didn't they do that in Austin Powers Three Goldmember? Did they? Where it turns out, oh, spoiler alert! If you haven't seen Goldmember, <laughs> um, where it turns out that. Doctor Evil.
0: Oh, and and he yes. He got the Austin
1: Powers and brothers. Yes,
0: I never made that connection until now. Wow, God, they dropped the ball on that one so badly. <laughs> um, yes, so, so I guess we'll see what happens with the with the new. Maybe it'll be like the um, you know the beginning of uh, For Your Eyes Only, with the original Blofeld. Oh yeah, where he he with literally the- gets dropped, dropped down a massive a massive chimney before the the credits are wrong. <laughs> maybe we'll just do that say that's it it's, it's over now we can move on and make something good again
1: the only uh, 007 related information I can add at this point is this weekend uh, is the uh, 1007th Formula 1 race oh ok so the uh, Red Bull Aston Martin team are running 007 logos on their car ok that's
0: that's, that's smartly interesting <laughs> the Toy Story movies have covered pretty much every aspect of a toy's life from getting replaced by a superior spaceman toy getting stolen by a creepy toy collector getting terrorised by an evil bear and nearly incinerated, and then passing on your toy knowledge to the next generation of toys made out of garbage, but one thing they've never had to deal with is the terror of getting recalled, just imagine it's sentient toys getting tossed into a bin with thousands of identical toys, none of which know where they are or why they're there, and before they can plot some thrilling escape, they're all destroyed or shipped off to a less discriminating toy market Market. Well, you no longer have to imagine it, because that dark phase is exactly what a real-life forky toy is going to suffer through now. The Disney Parks Twitter account announced this week that the company is voluntarily recalling a plush forky toy due to a manufacturing defect that could apparently result in a choking hazard for young children. It's good that these are being recalled then, but hopefully the kids who own these aren't being told why their beloved plushy Forky has to go away. Nobody needs to be told that the toy is being sent to death. On the other hand, if these kids are Pixar fans, they're probably pretty familiar with tragedy as it is, so maybe they'll appreciate the irony of Forky, a character who kept trying to get thrown away, getting thrown away.
1: Just going back to the 80s again, <laughs> which I like to do at any opportunity. Sure, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so, so does Hollywood.
1: <laughs> do you remember a cartoon called The Raggy Dolls? I think i've
0: heard of it but i i think that might be before my time
1: it was it was pretty big and it was all about uh, a toy factory where a bunch of non-perfect toys mm-hmm. were thrown away into a bin and they all got up to mischief okay uh, and they were the ragged dolls there was, there was something a bit defective about all of them okay so maybe uh maybe toy story people like are angling for a <laughs> off with dodgy toys
0: maybe maybe i mean the the ending of toy story 4 does sort of um lend itself well to that kind of continuation Mm. Uh, we'll we'll see i don't know
2: (laughs) maybe i'm reading too much into that one thanks nick in a world within our world they've created a world unlike any other world and in that world is a show a cinema show but not just any cinema show this is the sunshine cinema show
1: Okay, let's give you a very quick rundown of the top five UK box office films and the top five films to rent. Starting at the box office, at number five, we have Midsommar, which we will be reviewing very shortly. At number four, uh, Invent Cinema, Westlife, The 20 Tour Live. Yeah. Seen this one, Nick? No. Didn't think you would. Number three, (laughs) Yesterday.
0: Yes, which I have seen, and I mostly enjoyed. Um, It's coming on the heels of films like Bohemian Rhapsody and uh, and Rocketman. Yesterday, um, if you've seen the trailer, isn't uh, a a biopic or anything like that. It sort of presents the the concept of, what if everyone in the world forgot the Beatles except one person? And then that person sort of recorded their songs to Fame and fortune and, and so on. So it's written by uh, Richard Curtis. Uh, and it, it does feel like a very Richard Curtis film, sort of uh, in that rom-com mould. Um, I laughed a lot. Very funny. The comedy's good. The romance, I would say, is less uh, convincing, I thought. But, yeah, sort of a solid film, I thought. Directed by Danny Boyle? Yes, although you wouldn't really know it. There's n- There's nothing in there to suggest his kind of visual style or anything like it's, it's it's surprisingly ordinary looking hmm. i think but it's still yeah sort a, a solid dependable way to spend uh 90 minutes but it might, might be longer than
1: that okay number two in the uk box office we have toy story four
0: yes which we reviewed on the program uh last time or at least i i,
1: I attempted to
0: <laughs> i was a big fan of it i it's just one of the things that i want to see it again knowing what the whole film is about just to see what my uh you know my concrete opinion of it is uh i've not been able to do that as of yet because of you know, time commitments with work and stuff but i mean i did really enjoy it. we gave it an eight out of ten all of the new characters are great it, it's a film that has something to say i think the best thing i can say about it is um, that it's exactly as as good
1: as we all hoped it would be and at number one we have spider-man far from home yeah speaking of films
0: that are really good at comedy and less good at other <laughs> things, uh, I think it's an interesting one. it's, it's um, There are a lot of things about this one I I liked, particularly the the comedy. It's sort of going back to the, a very sort of John Hughes-style uh, teen comedy. It's very good at that. And the inclusion of uh, Mysterio as well, who has long been one of my... Maybe my very favourite comic book character of, <laughs> of, all, of all time. Wonderfully paid by Jake Gyllenhaal. The only other thing is it's... Um, Kind of a running theme with Marvel movies at this point, where they sort of throw up an an interesting philosophical idea, and then don't really do anything with it regarding some of the um, the technology that's used in in this one.
1: It's um,
0: I don't know. Maybe we'll save it for a DVD review. And there might be more to talk about there. But I mean, it's a, it's a thumbs up for me. So, yeah, really entertaining.
1: Let's have a look at the top five UK film rentals, and at number five is Spider-Man: Into the Spider Verse.
0: Yes, um, the best spider-man film available <laughs> right now. say no more loved it number four. Oh, oh, sorry our favorite film of last year
1: oh it was yes yeah. yes uh, number four we have how to train your dragon hidden world still S- hanging around still there. in the charts yeah. doing well uh number three a bit of an unusual one but it's toy story the first film yeah so i think everyone is is going out before watching toy story four and probably binging doing one two and three
0: that makes sense it's been nine years since um since three came out so I imagine there's a lot of people to to catch up I've seen um I <laughs> saw a sort of comparison of um how Pixar are sort of animating animals these days because there's there's a cat in Toy Story four who which looks amazing like really really realistically done but still sort of fitting into that stylized world and when you compare it to the uh the dog in the <laughs> in the first toy story film the it's a very stark difference. <laughs> let's put it that way
1: uh, number two we have fighting with my family
0: previously reviewed on the show seven out of ten i think it's uh, it's a lot like yesterday i think just a solid way to spend uh, 90 minutes is based on a true story of um the wwe wrestler page who sort of came from a uh, uh sort of lower middle class background in, in norfolk and it's um Nor- did i say Norfolk? Yeah. <laughs> norfolk want to be careful with that um uh yes Florence Pugh is in this, who we'll be you know, talking about briefly in um, in Midsommar later as
1: well, and then you know, Nick Frost as well, um, and The Rock as himself. And at number one in the UK film rentals chart, we have Captain Marvel.
0: Yeah, uh, So uh, yeah, and another sort of, um, we, well, we reviewed this previously on the programme, 7 out of 10. Good for, for what it is, really entertaining, but again there's some themes that are, are, are thrown up that aren't really explored, which I think would have made the, um, the story in this one resonate uh, a little bit better, but Brie Larson's really good in the lead role um, there's some good music choices <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, coming yeah. up next, a group of friends travel to Sweden for a festival that occurs once every 90 years only to find themselves in the clutch of a pagan cult. We'll review Midsommar well, it's time for our first review on the show, which is a *Midsummer*, rated 18. With their relationship in trouble, a young American couple travel to a fabled Swedish *Midsummer* Festival, where a seemingly pastoral paradise transforms into a sinister, dread-soaked nightmare, as the locals reveal their terrifying agenda.
2: Oh... W- wow. What? Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, man. Oh. It's like... I scripture. What do you think? <laughs> it's like another world. Amazing. Do people just sleep here? Yeah,
1: all the younger ones until we turn 36 and then we move to the laborer's house. Why 36?
0: Well, we think of life like the seasons. So you're a child until you're 18 and that's spring. And then at some point we all do our pilgrimage, which is between 18 and 36, and that's summer. And then from uh, 36 to 54, we're a working age, which is fall. And then finally from 54 to 72, you become a mentor
2: what
1: happens in 72 <laughs> <laughs> mm. yeah
0: <laughs> there was a you, you, you can't see it in the audio obviously but there's a uh, uh hand
1: gesture made across the throat <laughs>
0: at the end, the end of that
1: well Midsommar was written and directed by Ari Aster who last year gave us the truly disturbing horror hereditary um although um, I did hear Ari say that he intended hereditary to be just a family drama. <laughs> well. As he's seen the film, you exactly Yeah, exactly. Uh, Midsummer stars Florence Pugh, uh, Jack Rayner and Will Poulter. Uh, Jack and Will, you might know this, you might might not, they starred together in Glassland in 2014. Yes. Uh, which starred... Totally correct. Okay. okay but Jack and Will also starred together more recently in Detroit yes now Nick mm-hmm. last year yeah. uh, we were we were suitably disturbed yes Like Harry Astor's hereditary mm-hmm.
0: that was a very a very quiet review from us if I remember correctly <laughs> like, I invite people to look back in our podcast um, feed and and check that out
1: did you find that some are as scary Hmm.
0: it's interesting before I saw it for myself I saw and heard Midsommar described by multiple people as um, quote not really a horror movie which piqued my curiosity because it certainly appeared to be a horror movie based on the on the trailers I saw and the poster as well What oh, oh, it's this really good poster as well they are great posters. it's a good poster I might get that on my wall um, I don't know what it will say about me if I do have that on my wall but still it's a good poster um, having now seen the film I definitely would describe it as, as a horror movie. The question of whether it's scary or not, especially when you compare it to hereditary, is a little trickier to answer. Because I think at the, at the end of the day, it's trying to be a different kind of horror movie. And I, I can hear some people shooting out now, because <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a thinky horror movie. I'll, you know, I'll skip it. But, I mean, there's more than one way to make a comedy, for example. So I, I think it's beneficial to apply that line of thinking to horror films that work in ways that we we might not be used to which is a very long-winded way to say it isn't as scary as hereditary but it, it is disturbing and off-kilter um cruel in and brutal in in in, in spikes and speaking personally oddly therapeutic <laughs> i think i just to go back to hereditary i, I would describe hereditary as being uh, structured around one big shock you all know what i'm talking about if you've seen it one big shock after which everything slowly spirals out of control amid some are uh I-, I think it's almost the opposite things start off as uncertain um and you know very internally chaotic and then as the film progresses it uh gradually sharpens to a point where i think you can see the conclusion coming and yet it still feels completely satisfying which is uh something of a contrast to how hereditary played out which required a character to explain what exactly had been going on at the at the end of it and i, I know a few people were put out by that and it it, it definitely feels like the the lessons that Ariaster earned from making that film have been implemented here uh it's been compared to the wicker man for several reasons and yes modern modern day wicker man does work perfectly as a, a one-sentence summation of the film but that's that's not to say that the film is content to just nod towards a famous forbearer and, and hope that the inherited goodwill will carry it to the, the finish line. Midsommar completely stands on its own. Um, it gets you invested in, in its story straight away. It's got a unique look with the, the pastel colours that we've seen in the marketing. Uh, like a retro, it's got a distinctive score, um, this time from uh, British musician Bobby Krillick, who also uh, composes under the, the name of the Hacks and Cloak. It's a bit of a witch influence there, uh, which um, the, the score sounds like he unearthed some long-lost Scandinavian folk songs and electronically stretched them out like, like pretzel dough. It's really, uh, really quite unusual. Hereditary featured an amazingly performance from Tony Collette and Midsummer follows that with an equally outstanding performance from Florence Pugh, who we've you know previously seen in uh, Fighting with my family and. Um, and the 40M, the little, little drummer girl on TV. She, she earns her paycheck in the first minute alone, I thought, with that, that one phone call, in which. Oh, it's so, so good. And I was really impressed with how she um, and the rest of the cast as well, they always seem to know exactly where to walk the line between grounded and operatic in their acting. I think it's a difficult thing to do when you're sort of trying to nail a very specific tone with this film, but they all perform remarkably, I think. You want to know the strangest thing about my experience with this film? As the ending played out, I found myself uh, smiling. Which is um, you know, probably sounds odd considering how weird and nihilistic this film can be. And it's something that I don't think has ever happened to me when I'm watching a horror movie uh, at all. But um, uh, admittedly, I was in a pretty dark mood that evening. And I guess there was something about the way that the the, the very end was presented that just uh, s- struck a chord on me, uh, I guess. And it is a happy ending, believe it or not. It's maybe slightly open to to interpretation, but uh, no, I, I do think that um, I would say as well. If you've gone through a bad breakup recently, you should see this immediately. <laughs> That's not to say I have. Uh, just just a, a good recommendation on the on the side <laughs> as well. Are we? We're not going to mention a bear, are we?
1: Well, it's, yeah. a, it's a bear. There's a bear. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think I want to say any more on that. Uh, okay. Before you give it a score, all I would add mm-hmm. is that. As horror films go, uh, this could be more traumatising to some than your standard jump scare horror film.
0: I I think I see what you mean. Yes, it's sort of very violent and brutal, but in sort of very short spaces of time that sort of are few and far between, as opposed to other horror movies which sort of find a balance and sort of carry that throughout the way.
1: And what stood out to me was the fact that a lot of this is filmed in daylight. in in bright daylight
0: yes all all the way through
1: in stark contrast to pretty much every other horror film where they rely on the darkness
0: yeah well even hereditary as well which is really i mean if you look at the poster for Hereditary, it's almost almost black you can barely see the people on it yeah but yeah it's it's a it's a wonderful contrast in
1: just about every respect i think okay let's get it a sunshine cinema show rating
0: uh it's an eight out of ten which as we mentioned at the top is the the same score i gave hereditary i I think midsummer is um sort of really pronouncing the R already in the I end. Mean, Getting local. I, now. I, yeah. <laughs> uh I think it's just as good as that. And um you know a, a, as I highlighted, actually you know, better in, in some aspects. Uh I think uh, as long as people don't go in expecting it to be the same kind of film as Hereditary, um then you you'll have a, a good time. Maybe not a good time, but you'll have a you'll certainly have a time. Hey,
1: it's not not one for a romantic couple's evening.
0: No. Although I would be very, very interested to see those people going in and then coming out
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now if you've seen the film um, please do tell us what you think and uh, we'd love to include your views on the show you can tweet us at sunshine cinemax now still to come we'll be reviewing cold pursuit where a grieving snowplow driver takes out revenge against the drug dealers who killed his son before that though it's the take 5 film quiz you're listening to Nick and Marcus on the Sunshine Cinema Show. And now it's time for the Take 5 quiz. So if this is your first time joining us on the show and your first time hearing the Take 5 quiz, let me explain it. I'm going to give you the taglines from five well-known movies and all you need to do is name the films that they come from. Now, you're going up against Nick, but he only scores a point if he names the film and the year that it was released in the UK. Which always stressed me up. <laughs> well, we've got to make it a little bit more difficult. I know,
2: yeah, I know.
1: So here we go. We will start with number one. Always a good place to start. And the tagline is, if adventure has a name, it must be Indiana Jones. Hmm. If adventure has a name, it must be Indiana Jones.
0: Hmm. So the question is, when do they actually start using
1: that? Hmm. Okay. Okay, number two. 71% of the Earth's surface is covered by water. That's a lot of space to find one fish. 71% of the Earth's surface is covered by water. That's a lot of space to find one fish. Okay, movie tagline number three. On the air, unaware. On the air, unaware. Nearly tagline number four. You don't get to 500 million friends without making a few enemies. You don't get to 500 million friends without making a few enemies. And finally number five. Who will survive and what will be left of them? ...will survive, and what will be left of them. There you go, your five nearly taglines this week. Have mm. a
2: think, and we'll do that very shortly. In a world fraught with corruption, two men united by fate, torn apart by destiny, somewhere between courage and not courage, between the pharmacy and the podiatry clinic, you'll find... Nick and Marcus in the Sunshine Hospital Radio Studio. Only they can bring you the Sunshine Cinema Show.
1: Okay. Let's give you the answers then. Let's see how you got on. Let's see how Nick got on.
0: I'm a bit more confident this week. Oh, yeah? Mm, we'll see.
1: Okay, all right. Well, film number one, the tagline was if adventure has a name, it must be Indiana Jones. Yeah. Which Bond film was that from? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, can you imagine what it would be like if... Um, well, it, w- it wouldn't be good if they teamed up. It would be terrible. Those, those are two things I don't get to give a word. I don't think. <laughs> anyway, it's interesting. I, I sort of first became aware of this particular line use, being used to um, advertising Indiana Jones video game.
1: Oh. Yeah,
0: The Infernal Machine, which came out in 2003, I think, maybe a bit earlier. Anyway, um, I'm going to say it was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade
1: and what year uh
0: the uh, 1989
1: the film was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom
0: really just the second one that's that's confidence on that
1: one (laughs) 1984 okay number two 71% of the Earth's surface is covered by water that's a lot of space to find one fish Mm mm-hmm
0: not a Jaws sequel as I initially thought it might be (laughs) because that's the thing with with Jaws the fish finds you not the other way around Um, so I think the film in in this case is Finding Nemo correct
1: 2003 correct yes well done number three on the air unaware
0: Mm. less confident with this one but I think I have it is it Wingsworld?
1: World it is not okay and when I tell you the answer, I expect a response of, oh.
0: Is it, is it a film that came out in
1: 1985?
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, okay. Never mind. I've, def- I've definitely heard it before. I, uh, I can't remember what the film was,
1: I Shall I tell you the year sure. first, just yeah. to uh, tease you a bit more? 1998 was the year.
0: Is it The Truman Show?
1: It's The yeah, Truman yeah. Show. Okay. Number four. You don't get five. You don't get to five hundred million friends without making a few enemies.
0: Mm-hmm. Made a big splash in my film uh, course when it came out when I was at university. Social network, correct. I think the year was
1: two thousand nine. Oh, one year out. out two thousand eight. Two thousand
0: ten. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay.
1: Oh. Huh. And finally, number five: Who will survive, and what will be left of them?
0: Uh just have an educated guess on this one because it could be uh, any number of things is it um, is it Freddy versus Jason it is not okay.
1: <laughs> the film came out in
0: 1976
1: okay and only 20 years ago was it certified with an 18 uh, for an uncut release is it the Texas Chainsaw Massacre it is the Texas uh. Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> <laughs> there you go right talk out your scores ain't it? one out of five <laughs> well let's hope you did that in a nick how no. did you get on you can always tell us on twitter at sunshine cinemax but up next our film to rent review is cold pursuit where Liam Neeson demonstrates that revenge is best served cold time <laughs> so now for our film to rent review which this week is cold pursuit rated 15 Nels Coxman's quiet life as a snowplough driver comes crashing down when his beloved son dies under mysterious circumstances. His search for the truth soon becomes a quest for revenge against a psychotic drug lord named Viking and his sleazy henchman. Transformed from upstanding citizen to cold-blooded vigilante, Coxman unwittingly sets off a chain of events that includes a kidnapping, a series of deadly misunderstandings, and a turf war between Viking and a rival boss.
2: Kyle. He got mixed up with some clown by the name of Dante, and they stole a kilo of coke from Viking. Who's Viking? Drug dealer. A big one. Viking's a whole different breed. He likes hurting people. I'm gonna kill him, Rock. Sure you are. What makes you think you can kill a man? I've, I've killed three of his guys. What did you do with the bodies? Wrapped them in chicken wire, threw them on the gorge. Where'd you learn that? I read it,
1: Ha ha ha! Count suit was directed by Hans Petter Moland in his Hollywood debut, uh, from the screenplay by Frank Baldwin. The film stars Liam Neeson, Laura Dern, and uh, Michael Richardson. Now it's an official remake of the 2014 Norwegian film In Order of Disappearance, which was also directed by Moland. Much better title, I think. Much better title, especially when you see how the film plays out. Yes. Now, Nick, does this artfully skew the Taken-style revenge thriller? Or is it just a dark reimagining of the Simpsons Mr. Plough episode? Ah, Mr. Plough. Mr. Plough. I'll say that name again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh well, there's no cameos for Madame West or Linda Ronstadt, which is a, a, a big minus in my book, unfortunately. Uh, th- yeah, the, the casting of Liam Neeson makes for a, an interesting con- contrast with the Taken films, but I think I think Cold Pursuit is less interested in uh, satirising them and more attempting to be a darkly comic stumble through the world of, of organised crime, so similar to Fargo. Uh, and and there's a, there's a big inf- Fargo influence on on this film, a, a, a big Coen Brothers influence in in general. I, I could see nods to Minutes Crossing and No Countries for Old Men and Raising Arizona as well. To the to the extent where it felt like the film was following some sort of step by step guide to make a Coen Brothers movie, but written by someone on Reddit. Um, it reminded it reminded me of. Um, Back in the mid-90s, there was uh, a wave of films trying to be, uh, you know, like Quentin Tarantino-esque in, in, in the wake of pop Fiction Success. Films that you probably won't remember. Films like uh, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. Most of them were unsuccessful. Not just because it's difficult to to make a film in a specific groove and market it to people, but uh, simply because they weren't very good. Cold Pursuit isn't very good either. But it's it's not for lack of trying, I, I have to say that. The, the biggest problems with it are... Twofold. The first is that I think the film just has too much going on, and I, I didn't feel like, feel like I got to know any of the characters particularly well, simply because there's too many of them, and none of them are given the necessary screen time for us to get to know them better or, or become invested in them. Even even Liam Neeson's character, who's the lead, feels underwritten. Like I didn't really understand where he was coming from or how he was so um, immediately good at killing people, despite supposedly just being a a snowplough driver. The film also throws in a lot of themes that aren't explored by the script which um, run the gamut from children's diets to Native American identity. Uh, all of which are, are briefly mentioned once and then never returned to, uh, which means that if you were to ask me what this film is about, I wouldn't really be able to tell you beyond saying Liam Neeson kills a lot of people, and some gangsters make jokes in between. And it occurs to me that that's actually very similar to the other films that Liam Neeson has been making recently. So, even on that front, uh, Cobra Suit isn't particularly uh, distinctive, I think. And the the other big problem the film has is the editing, which I found really sloppy. And I talked about this when we reviewed Night School last year. Getting the rhythm of your editing right is essential to making sure that the jokes in your comedy land properly and make people laugh. I laughed once watching this. Did you, how many times did you
1: laugh?
0: Uh, uh, Got it in your head?
1: Uh, twice at most. Okay. Did you check your watch <laughs> I remember that being a, a test. There, there wasn't actually, honestly. That that was a thing for me at least three times. Okay, I looked at the time.
0: Okay, I I fell asleep uh, twice. It, it 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 was last night. It was the end of a, a very long working week for me, but I, I still did fall asleep on multiple occasions. Uh, the sloppy editing ed- affects the, the more serious scenes too, which are made even less effective because we don't care about the characters and it affects the action scenes too. There's a big shootout at the end, which is just chaos and not in a fun way either it um it also feels like a film that's been cut down a lot from its original length which um again might not have been necessary if the the story was more focused and it still feels pretty long uh, as as well even though it's just two hours just because of the way that it's 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 pace there's a lot to to get through and you really do feel it the cast are good though they're fun to watch, um, even if the dialogue they have is a little bit hackneyed. There's a couple of actors from The Wire, John Dunham and um, possibly Doman, and uh, Dominic Lombardozzi. Yeah, always nice to see them. I was impressed by Tom Bateman, um, who puts in a, an interesting performance as a, as a villain viking. And I look, I looked into it, it turns out he's better known for British prestige TV. like He, was, uh, he played uh, Rawdon Crawley in Vanity Fair last year on itv and uh, now he's he's the lead character in in beecham house so he's you know clearly outside of his comfort zone here and you know he does pretty well i think uh less well served is laura Dern, who deserves a a lot better than what she gets here i mean still puts in a a fantastic performance because you know she's she's laura dunn that's what she does but has just two scenes and then leaves with um literally no explanation if you remember the the, I'm not, I'm not sure what the the point of that particular was. the card the, the card that has yeah. nothing written on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think most damning of all in, in in a week in which I was completely satisfied by the ending of uh, Midsommar, I thought the ending of this was just weak. Really, it just sort of ends really, really when it feels like it has nothing more to to say, despite the fact that it hasn't really said anything in the the interim.
1: And I think that's a perfect point to ask you. How would you score this film out of ten?
0: Uh, yeah, four. Uh, I think uh, It's a great concept for a story, and there are moments where you can see how interesting the film could have been. It's different, but that's about all it has going for it. I, I was curious if the maybe the original Norwegian version, which starred Sted and Skarsgård in the Liam Neeson role, would be, would be better. But I've, I've done some research, and it seems there are only very minor differences in the story and and how it's told. So... Yeah, maybe not.
1: If you like Liam Neeson, yeah, go for it. Mm. Uh, if the if the storyline tickles your fancy, I'd say give the Norwegian one a try instead. Um, if you don't like Liam Neeson and you don't like the sound of the story,
0: y- you're probably not listening to this at all. <laughs> I wouldn't bother. <laughs> so, upcoming releases? Coming yes, up next couple of uh, weekends coming
1: out at the cinema. We have Pavarotti uh, on the fifteenth of July. Who's that about? Oh, uh, I think it's that guy from the uh, Britain's Got Talent. Uh, Chafferty won it a few years ago.
0: Oh, yeah, Paul, Paul Potter was Yeah, yeah. I,
1: or something like that, anyway. Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> well, a docu- it's documentary, isn't it, a thing? Directed by Ron Howard? Yes. Yes, OK.
1: Uh, on the 19th of July, we have The Lion King. Yeah. Have you seen clips? No, and I don't want okay. to. OK. That's it from us today. Thanks for joining us. Bye.
2: If you missed anything in today's episode, you can hear the edited podcast online. Just search for the Sunshine Cinema Show podcast. This is a Sunshine Hospital Radio production. Get well soon.